Hey, it's Big Joe for your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer, Absolute Comfort. Chris Wedekin is the owner, and he tells us why many homeowners are giving up their air conditioners for a high-efficiency heat pump. By removing your air conditioner and replacing it with a heat pump, you are not only saving by getting a higher-efficiency air conditioner, the heat pump works in reverse and saves you money in the wintertime as well. See if a heat pump is the right move for you by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 29th. It is five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hey, Rob, look who it is. You look so nice today, (laughs) and I just wonder why at church you just are just never putting in the effort in you're putting in today. the, The lighting in the studio is so nice. I mean, you guys really go all out. Here. It's I've, amazing. Casey, I've honestly never owned clothes that fit that nicely. He's very fashionable, isn't he? It, it is. Uh, it is uh, what, Micah Beckwith is our guest, uh, and we'll get into your filing for lieutenant governor. What's uh, an ensemble like that cost? Probably what I make in a week, right? Uh, you know, I've had this jacket for uh, five years. You know what that means? <laughs> Susan's going to go through his closet. That yeah, jacket could be yours soon. I, that's right. I, uh, <laughs> you're going to get a, true. a package at church on Sunday. So Micah, Micah's wife gifted me all of his his leftover sweaters that he didn't want and i wore that sweater to the golf course over the weekend mm-hmm. and like three or four people were like that is a really nice sweater i said yes my my rich hamilton county friends you look really good in micah's clothes that's so funny hey i can i say this the other day i don't know why uh we were making jokes at church about people losing hair and so i jumped on wegrowhairindy.com and i found a a picture of rob kendall before and, and after before and after nice. and i said it to him and his response was i was so fat oh my goodness i'll have to show you this photo casey like i i mean i knew i'd lost i probably lost 10 or 15 pounds mm-hmm. since that photo and that was at the height of covid when everybody was getting fat and but i mean it's like oh my gosh i've lost so well much now weight. you know you can't gain weight or you won't fit into micah's clothes oh my goodness all right so you are here today you are filing to you're finally doing the official yes. deed you're filing to run for lieutenant governor today that, that's right so we have a uh eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollar check how much eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars whoa whoa so, so what does this go is this go to like the salvation army or it does like not it goes to uh the Indiana GOP. So we take a check to the the GOP headquarters with uh, the form that I fill out. You wait, no, wait. I've, I've missed a step here. You have to pay eighteen. How much? Eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars to run for lieutenant governor. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Wait a minute. This is a what money. Is, what does Anne Hathaway get a very nice <laughs> bottle of champagne out of this? What? Okay. What well, is, so here's so here's how it works. So they take a percentage of whatever a state office holder is going to to make oh, annually, uh-huh. and then they say if you want to run for this office you have to pay the state party this now here's what i'll say about this i think it's outrageously high it keeps average people yes. to to run uh but you know as a republican we want to support the republican efforts this is a good way to to raise money i like i said i don't like it as this high but we do this money will then go to the general to make sure republicans get elected which is a good thing we want to we want to be did you did forget I, what show you're on <laughs> listen rob you are one of the strongest principled 
Republicans that I know. Okay, yes, so in good standing. I he mean, is he in really, good standing. He, yeah, he is in good standing, and our state treasurer has told you that many times over. Uh, so. Okay, so think about the barrier to access that has been on full display over the past couple weeks. You got people getting kicked off the ballot left and right. You got eighteen thousand seven hundred and fifty bucks, and we talked about this, Mike. Where it's like, there's no one meaner to the Republicans than me, and yet I could totally run and be fine. Yeah. <laughs> except for the eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> he could sell a couple sweaters. Uh, he might make some money there. Okay, so I think it's really important for people to know, and we'll get into kind of how this process works. But why why have you done this? Because I mean, you basically have now given up a year of your life to crisscross the state, yeah. and and it is not an easy thing to do. And Merritt talked about this last hour that Indiana it may not look like it, but it's a huge state. Yeah, you've chosen to do this. Why? Well, first, it's a calling. I always tell people if you're going to go into the political world, you got to see it as a mission field, and it has to be a calling to do so. And so, in in our founders, they didn't they didn't necessarily want to be politicians. Yeah. They did it out of a sense of calling to their their children and children's children in their community, and and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's I believe the Lord has led me into this. Uh, he's called me to it. He's going before us. He's opening doors. I mean, when God calls you, He equips you. And I think one of the reasons we're having such great success around the state so far is because God is going before us. And uh, and but it has to be a calling. And people who get into it and put their identity in it. That's where it becomes a problem. If your identity ever becomes your politics, then you will go downhill very, very quickly. But if your identity is, hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a child of God, first and foremost, and what I'm doing is just a calling to serve my peop- my, my constituents and the people of, of Indiana, then you're you're probably going to do pretty Gosh, pretty well. You're so. just like the polite, respectful version of me. I think that's why we get along so well. Like You are the person who fits into decent society. Mm-hmm. The so, yin and yang here. Uh, so, Micah, how is it going? You've been been doing it for a year now. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, we everywhere we go, we are educating on the process. We're bringing in uh, great conservatives into the Republican Party. That's the other thing I'm excited about is the Republican Party needs to grow, uh, but it needs to grow on the principles of the party. And we're doing that. We're bringing people who have been disenfranchised, the Rob Kendalls of Indiana, yeah. if you will, right? Uh, maybe a little more polite of the versions of Rob Kendall around the around the state. But we're saying, hey, there's a role for you in the Republican Party. There's a there's a role for you to get up and to stand for liberty and the constitutional values. And and if we really want to be uh, a leader in our nation, I mean, look at the states around us. Michigan, you have Comrade Gretchen just ruining that state. You have Illinois, you have Kentucky around us. Even Ohio's going off the, off the rails in a lot of ways. Indiana has to stand strong on the principles of our Constitution, which I believe the Republican Party principles are aligned uh, more closely to the Constitution than any other party in our in our system right now, and that's why I'm a Republican. So, uh, but we've got to get more people who have that heart to say, "Hey, we believe in the Constitution, we believe in the Founders' vision, and we're going to fight." Again, it's about fighting. I'm tired of Republicans yeah. who do not fight. Yeah, it is time to go to battle and defend what 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 is near and dear to our hearts. All right, so let's walk through how this little endeavor goes. Micah Beck with us, our guest. He's officially filing to run for lieutenant governor today. Abdul reported in his cheat sheet. You've got 600 people who have filed to run for delegate specifically for the reason of, hey, I'm here to support you. That's a colossal amount of people Mm -hmm. when you'll probably only need 900-ish votes at a state convention. You want to explain to people, because people are going to have an opportunity to weigh in on this and help, help make this change when they vote 
in the primary for convention delegates. So do you want to kind of explain how lieutenant governor works and how the people hearing your voice right now, even if they're not a delegate, are going to be involved in this process? Yeah, it, it was a great segment that you did with Jim Merritt. Uh, That's what the, we do. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, but I will say the one issue I had with Jim is he said the, the lieutenant governor should is the um, works for the governor. That's not true. The lieutenant governor works for the people. The people elect the lieutenant governor nominee by electing delegates in their community to go to the state convention in June. And that's it's, it's a Republican form of government. It's you, you have a representative that goes and votes on your behalf. And so so, so yeah. on your ballot this May, yes. you'll have all these other offices. And then at the end, mm-hmm. it'll say vote for these people for, delegate. Con- for de- convention yep. delegates. So it's at the end of the ballot, yep. and a lot of people just skip over they that. Do. That's where that is yep. found. So you'll vote for delegates in your in your district that would that would be you know aligned with your values, and you say, hey, go down to the convention and support you know someone like Micah uh, to be lieutenant governor. And then June fifteenth, the convention happens, and then we, if we get a majority plus one of the uh, of the convention delegates, then we win, and then we would be put on the ticket going going up against the the uh, the Democrats in November. And some people have been saying, well, Micah's a disruptor. Micah wants to t- take the party down, and Great. really, I'm I'm a dis- Disruptor only in the sense of when when I believe we're we're walking away from Republican principles. So during the COVID shutdown and how the Republican Party did not handle that well, I I certainly spoke out against this. I said, hey, this isn't Republican values. Labeling people essential and non-essential is not a Republican thing to do. That's a Democrat thing to do, and we shouldn't be doing that. And some people saw that as a, as a disruptive thing to do, but I said no. We're standing on the principles of the party. And so as Lieutenant Governor, you can you can bet your last dollar that I will be the most uh, vocal champion. of of the governor if that governor stays in alignment with constitutional conservative values. If they ever step out of line with that, then you can bet your last dollar that I'll be the voice to say, hey, this isn't right, and respectfully, we need to get back in in the line. I think that's the thing when we had Suzanne and Casey, Mm -hmm. is there's a total disconnect of her role in what has happened in this stage. You know, she said, oh, I don't want to look to the past. You have to look to the past because she had the ability. If, yeah. if someone like you had been in there, doesn't mean history would have been different. It means it would have been a, there would have been a fight about what happened. Yeah. If you had a bull, someone with a bully pulpit of lieutenant governor to stand up and say, wait a second, you know, this Dr. Box gynecologist has no qualifications whatsoever to handle a pandemic. You're shutting society down based on her. You're not proving you're saving even one solitary life. And this isn't how we operate. Think about how much different. It, I mean, Curtis, all it took was Curtis Hill to stand up one time on the mask mandate and, and the criminal component crumbled on that. If we'd have had a, an independent voice in the lieutenant governor's spot, history might have been much different. And, and to Suzanne's defense a little bit, it's just it's never really been thought of that we need a strong lieutenant governor be, to have that check and balance. It, up until 2020, I think everyone, myself included, would have said, well, the lieutenant governor is more of a, you know, just kind of a, a yes man position. And yeah, they just need to kind of do what the governor asked. But I think we saw, and I, I woke up too, I, I saw it and I was like, man, we need these constitutionally elected offices to every single one of them is super important. And the reason what you're saying here, Rob, is we didn't have our representation during 2020 because the shutdown happened right after the legislature went home and there were no reps and no senators down at the state house making decisions. And the only person, one person making decisions was governor Holcomb. He could have called the legislature back in, but he didn't. And he didn't have someone in that executive branch saying, Hey, Mr. Governor, I think we need to go down this path. Instead, you've got, 
got to give the people representation. It's not your job to be king over them. It's your job to steward their their liberties. And and I, I just don't think he did a good job during that season. So as lieutenant governor, if I'm in that office, you will know you've got somebody that's always going to stand up first and foremost for for the liberty of the people. And yeah, who do you want to work with? Well, I think I can work with any of them. I I, I think they all. I've I've loved getting to know all of them on that's the such campaign. A strong trail. question, Casey. Yeah. I know. Way yeah. to pin him down. Yeah. No. But no. In the, <laughs> I think that's what our listeners want to know. Yeah. Though. That's a great question. I get that all the time. Yeah. Um, the and and I I bring strengths that would that would complement each one of of those candidates because right now. they all have their different they, abilities. They all have their strengths, yeah. right? And I think my strengths are I'm I'm bold, I'm unapologetic, I'm a backbone. They can rely. I think I give sound wisdom mm-hmm. and counsel uh, when they're asking questions. I think I could be that that counselor to them in that sense and saying, Hey, I, I'm with you. I'm not. You're not going to be on an island if you stand for truth. This is what happens in Indiana. Whenever a Republican stands for truth, most of the Republican Party runs away. It's like David going to fight Goliath. It's like, hey, we're for you, David. Uh, will you go down and fight Goliath? We'll be back up here on the hill. Uh, you know, but good luck. We don't, we want people to go into battle. We're David's mighty men that went into battle with him. And so one of the things I'll offer as lieutenant governor is I'll say, Governor, you're not going to have to fight this alone. I'm going to be right there with you. I will take the arrows with you from the left and the radical Marxists that are trying to take over our society. And and I think that's that's really what I'll what I'll bring to every one of the candidates. I do have one more question for you. Yeah. And um, okay, so Lieutenant Governor, also President of the Senate, but also in charge of agriculture. What yep. do you think of this uh, proposed House Bill 1183, which is banning the purchase of Indiana land of a foreign entity? I think it's great. Uh, it it needs we need to absolutely make sure that China and our hostile uh, adversaries cannot be buying land in Indiana. We we've tried to get this through the last few sessions it, it just keeps dying because of all the lobbyists and and uh and here's what you'll have sometimes you'll have lobbyists that come in and say well republicans need to be about individual liberty right and if it's your property you can sell the land to whoever you want they'll use that argument my response to that is national security trumps your ability to sell your land to uh, a hostile foreign actor that wants to kill me and my family and so so i think it's really good that we put protections in and limitations in that says hey china iran uh you know the the axis of evil, uh, you know Russia. Those these people can't come in. We China, I think, was either did purchase or was trying to purchase land right next to Crane Military uh, Base, the naval base in Indiana. It's like, oh, I wonder why they want land close to uh, Crane uh, Naval Naval Base in Indiana and. And it was just, are we that dumb? All are right. We that dumb? This is your choice because yeah. we are told both things. We are mm-hmm. told no one's listening and we're told like tens of thousands <laughs> of people are listening. So you can either just go ahead and leave or we can take a break and you can come back. I'm and, coming back. Oh, very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Micah Beckwith joins us. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He wants to be your lieutenant governor. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and Micah Beckwith is joining us. So earlier when we were talking with Jim Merritt, um, we were talking about how you have 600 delegates, and he asked why you don't have 800. (laughs) (laughs) We're working on it. We're getting there. (laughs) So you've been paying attention to the straw polls that have been going on in the last two. Um, Suzanne Crouch was the leader in those. Do you put a lot of stock or weight into what's going on with those? I know you show up at all the dinners. Yeah. (laughs) How are you so thin? Because <laughs> I don't eat. I shake hands and talk to people most of the time. So, uh, no, I think the straw polls are they they can build they can help build momentum. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that's going to 
prophetically say this is going to be the outcome of the of the election. But I think it can help a candidate say, hey, we want a straw poll. You know, the voters actually resonate with us and our message, and here's why. So uh, I remember we did a we did a straw poll uh, when I was running for Congress uh, back in 2019, and and it was it was. I mean, the outcome of the straw poll didn't necessarily reflect the outcome of the election. So, and and so again, you can use it to send out mailers and fundraising and say, "Hey, we're doing great." But really, it's really about election day turnout. It's who's going to turn out to vote. So you're filing to run for lieutenant governor yeah. today, and then you're having an event at the state house. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we're going to be eleven o'clock. Uh, so in thirty minutes here, we're going to be over at the state house, and we're going to we're, we're going to take <laughs> pictures, celebrate, and say, "All right, let's uh, keep on rolling." You'll love this. Somebody from Micah's campaign was like, "We'd love to have you." Come on out. I think I'm working at 1130. I don't, I mean, you know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I listen to you every day. Can you be there at 1130? Just, Wait, just come during a commercial break. It's uh-huh. right over there. Just sprint so. over there. Look, here, here is the thing. So people who are sick of the crap, whether it's the property taxes, the gas taxes. I mean, we've talked yeah. about how the state budget has gone from $32 billion to $44 billion over the, the last seven years. That's a 37.5% increase. If people are sick of the crap, the number one way they can cut the crap to share with the Republicans and hold them accountable is your election. Yeah, I mean, I think I would make sure to be that voice to say, cut the crap. Last night, I was uh, in Shelby County, and there was a candidate's forum, but they had Republicans and Democrats there. There were only two Democrats, and the rest were Republicans. But I was talking to one of them afterwards, and, and you know, him and I found amazing common ground on the property tax and gas tax yeah. issue. And I said, man, I'm I'm sorry as a Republican that we have been in control for 20 plus years and we have let that get out of hand. And and he said, you know, that's the message that resonates with all Hoosiers. Because he's a Democrat. He obviously didn't agree with me on social issues. Uh, but but he said, if that message, the, the Republicans could just come out and own it and say, we're going to fix it. He said, he was basically saying, I'm not, there would be nothing that we as Democrats could do to stop the Republican machine going forward. But Republicans just want to point fingers, say, well, it wasn't me. It was someone. At some point, we've got to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, we're supposed to be the party of low taxes, but it is not. It's not equating to low taxes for Hoosiers. What's going on? Why why won't any of these people? I mean, we have had all of them in here. The only one who gave a remotely direct answer was Jamie Rittenauer. I mean, well, we haven't obviously had Chambers or Braun. I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, of the four that we've had in here, you can't get a clear answer to any of them. And it's like, to me, person who solves property tax or, or offers a proposal yeah. wins, yeah. and none of them will talk about That's it. That's right. Uh, so for me, it's a constitutional issue with property taxes. Is it really your property if you have to pay the government to stay there? I'm fine if you pay property taxes on the sale or the purchase of property. I think that's a sales tax thing, and I'm good with that. But when it comes to... I, I know I know little, little old couples that have paid off their mortgage years ago, mm-hmm. and they're being threatened with eviction now because they cannot pay the government to stay on their own land. That is unconstitutional. It's never something the founders would have ever wanted for for us as citizens. We have to fix it in Indiana. And to your point, Rob, if we can if we can get a plan and we can fix it, I think Republicans will sure up victories for the next two decades. I think some people are wondering why you chose to run for lieutenant governor and not governor. Well, <laughs> one, because Jim Merritt talked about it last segment. <laughs> 
takes about $25 million to run for uh, you know governor now. But again, I, I, I go where I'm called. And I'm not, I don't, I would much rather just be a pastor and not have to worry about politics. And if I knew there were godly men and women all over this state and country, I would be more than content with just staying in the, the private sector as a business owner and as a pastor. Um, but but I, I go where I'm called. And I believe the Lord called me to this specifically. I don't know, I don't know why necessarily, other than I'm starting to see it unfold that I'm going to be a voice of truth for the people. But, you know, someday governor, I don't know, maybe, but because people say, well, do you want to be governor someday? And my, my answer is like, no, I, I really don't. I want to just, I want to speak truth. I want to make sure that our, our state is set up as a city on a hill so that the rest of the country can look at how you should govern from a constitutionally conservative perspective. And if we can do that from lieutenant governor, I'll be as content as, as I'll get out. So uh, Okay, so this will be the last thing um, for me. And then if Casey has something else, that, that's fine. But I think you know that there's a whole lot of people who hear what you say about the property tax, gas tax, growth of government, and they're 100% on board with you. Yeah. The sad truth about our country is, though, there are a lot of people who are apprehensive or in some cases outright hostile to faith and faith in government, and they get all hung up on the idea that we have faithful people in government. What can you say to those people who believe, I, I don't know, you're going to get in there and be some sort of heretic or what? I don't know what they think is going to happen if you're in there. But you know, at convention, there's going to be a lot of people who agree with you on all of these topics, but are going to be apprehensive to vote for you yeah. just based on what you do for a living. Yeah. So our founding was specifically set up on Judeo-Christian principles. The laws of this land, the founders referred to the Bible more than any other book throughout history. And then in the Bible, they referred to Deuteronomy, which is all based on on law and, and civil government. God is the author of government. Our founders knew it. When asked about the, the three branches of government, where he got the inspiration from, James Madison responded, Isaiah 33, 22, the Lord is our, our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. And he said, this is how God governs. He's got a judicial a- aspect, a legislative a- aspect, and an executive as- aspect. And and if God can do it that way, if we separate this out and create three branches of government, that's going to work well for our people. Um, Alexis de Tocqueville said this in his book, uh, Democracy in America. He said, not until I went to the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the greatness and the genius of America. America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And he, he wrote that in the early 1800s when he was saying the French Revolution was falling apart because we built it on secularism and human knowledge. The American Revolution is sustaining and actually growing in a good direction, and they built it on godly wisdom. It is it is not a theocracy that I am advocating for. Some people will say, you want a theocracy. No, I do not. I want a constitutional republic that is rooted in the Judeo-Christian values that bring liberty and freedom for all men everywhere, whether you're a Christian or not. But if we remove those foundations and those principles from our, from our government, we will not be America anymore. We, America will cease to exist, and we will become a socialist, uh, Marxist nation, and we will not have liberty for everyone. And so that's why faith is so important within government. It's the moral conscience of the government, and the church and Christians and believers have to stand up and start doing their job, or else we will lose freedom in this nation. All right, Kurt Darling has it in his contract; they can kill all of us if we don't get to the news on time. So, uh, hey, hey, good luck on your filing good today. Luck, Thanks guys. for inviting us to that event. We can't go to because we're on the air. And uh, Micah Beck with you. Hey, the best. Thanks, Thank guys. you. It's you Kendall guys. and Casey on ninety. WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. 
portion of the program, we turn over to you and you give us your opinions. 317-684-8444. It's time for your voicemails with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So yesterday, Rob, you had a little bit of a rant. I know. Shocker. What? Yes. I don't even recall doing it. It was like (laughs) I was in some sort of fog while that was going on. Did you blank out during it? You know, it's Um, like uh, you see this during great acts of heroism where mothers lift large automobiles mm -hmm. to save children where there's just no memory of the great act that just took place. Well, you did Hulk out yesterday and you were giving advice on what people can do who are a little um, disheartened about what's going on with the government and gave some advice and your overall advice was get involved. And here's a phone call about that. Hi, Rob, Casey and Kevin. I have to give a high five and a round of applause to Rob's rant yesterday regarding jumping in with your local politicians, city council, or school board, instead of just hanging out on the sidelines and doing nothing. I personally have been at every city council meeting in my area for the last nine years. Can't really go into it because we haven't come to a full resolution yet, but I'm dying to tell you my story when I can. (laughs) My point is, start locally, either at school school boards or city council, because the problems in the government do not start at the federal level. They start on Main Street. I not only had to go into the city to get involved, I've been at the county and at the state at one point. It's been years of showing up, remaining civil, and getting my point across. And please know, you can't just go to one meeting. You've got to go to several. You've got to learn the players, the process, and how things work. I never thought I would be walking into a city council meeting and having the whole council and the mayor greet me by first name, but here I am. So, love your show. Keep up the good work. And again, high five, Rob, on your rant and getting involved. Take care. And God bless. Yeah, she's a hundred percent right. Uh, so just a pre, just a just a disclaimer: these meetings are boring. Yeah, it and sometimes they take an hour, sometimes they take an hour and a half. They're not fun, but showing up does make a difference. Isn't that half the battle? They're just like GI Joe used to say, right? Yeah, one of my favorite cartoons as a kid. Um, and I go to these meetings, and it's me and the same four guys most of the time. We've kind of become buddies and just sit in the back and chuckle at how stupid these people who run the town of Brownsburg are and the ridiculous stuff they do. Here's a great example of this, though. So uh, my, my friend Glenn Adams, who somehow got elected to the town council there in Brownsburg, is the one voice of sanity and reason up there. There was this massive growth project that was proposed. He said to the community on his Facebook page, I'd like to hear from you overwhelmingly, I mean, there were just comment after comment after comment about people who are against this. And he kept saying to people, you have to show up to this meeting to voice this. They are not going to care what you put on Facebook. They will care if they have to look you in the eye and know you exist and know you are passionate enough to show up because they don't fear you. You have to make them fear you, not physically fear you in the sense you're going to harm them, but fear you in the sense you will activate to stop them if they don't stop the bullcrap. And after all those comments on Facebook and everybody being told you need to show up and say this thing, it was the same four or five of us that sit in the back and they chuckled and did the stupid, unaccountable growth that they just said they weren't going to do. This is this lady's right. You have to get involved. If you are not willing to get involved, and it doesn't mean you got to put 30 hours a week into this. It means you got to, you know, educate yourself. School board meetings are once a month. Town or city council meetings are often twice a month. You got to educate yourself on what's going on and have something informed to say. How hard is that? 
You don't have to have a master's degree in this stuff. You don't have to do a deep dive on it, but you have to be reasonably somewhat remotely educated and then have something reasonably remotely intelligent to say on your position on it for two to three minutes. And that's it. That's all we ask of you. You spend three hours every Sunday on a football game. You spend two hours on an IU or Purdue basketball game. We're asking for that for your lives. These people dictate how you live your life, the things you can do on your property, the things that happen in your community. And if you're willing to give more effort to an IU or Purdue basketball game than the people who want to screw you over, and make no bones about it, Casey. You didn't know you were going to get another rant, did you? No, I Here did we not. go. Make no bones about it. <laughs> These people do want to screw you over. They are more concerned about the, the plight of the developer and the donor and the lobbyist than they are you. You have to make them fear you. And right now, none of these politicians fear us. It's how they want to spend your money. Think of it that way. Okay, we did get another phone call. And uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the border. Of course, uh, Biden is on his way to Brownsville, one of the least trafficked towns on the border. And Donald Trump is going to uh, Eagle Pass. 26% of Americans, only 26% of Americans support Biden's um you know, uh, stance on how he wants going to handle the border. What is his stance? Do and, you know? Well, and what's the end game? Does that's, anyone know? That's one of the questions. And this phone call has an idea of what Biden's end game on immigration is. Hey, guys. Love the show. Hey, I hear uh, a lot of your commentators there on, the, on WIBC, they kind of ask a generic question. What What's Biden's end game? What's the Democrats' end game for yeah, immigration coming in across illegally. I read a real small article in, all over the Internet uh, over the weekend, a little newspaper, uh, I believe it was up in Connecticut, that said uh, the end game for this is the next census in 10 years. We had a census last year or the year before. All these illegal immigrants coming to these cities is going to change your local congressmen. They'll be able to elect more congresspeople to these blue states, so they'll be overwhelmed with Democrat congressmen in the, in the, in the Congress. So I believe that's the end game. They'll take 10 years to do it, but um, they're going to be counted on the next census in some of these you know, cities. So I believe that's what's going on. So have a good day. It's an interesting point. It is, and I think he's on to something. Mm -hmm. And because obviously they've ruled, you got to count the people, not the you can count the illegals in the census. And he's right; it is about creating and it, different ways you can interpret it, but the or to get to it, but you would, you would interpret it all the same. It is about creating a reliable generation of Democrat voters who are largely dependent upon government service. So I got a tweet, and it's from Grace, and she said, "Check your crypto purchase on today's show. It's gone up a lot quickly, depending on what you buy." Oh, how I thought, exciting. Well, that's interesting. We haven't done that in a while, so it was New Year's Eve of 2021 going yep. into 2022. You've been drinking heavily. I bought $100 worth of... I noticed uh, you didn't respond to that. I don't really remember if I was. Yeah, you've been, you've been drinking heavily. I probably... <laughs> I, I don't know, though, because it's quite a process when you go through to buy crypto. Oh, you would have to be sober in order to yeah, actually do it. Yeah, I, I, so I don't think I had been drinking 
that much, maybe one glass of wine. Anyway, I put $100 in the account, and we check it from time to time, yeah. and it went all the way down to $31. Yep. Yep. And as I pull it up today, the account is now up to $77.91. So you're so you had over two, over three years, mm-hmm. well, not quite three years, over two plus years, you're still down 23%. Yeah. And I actually got to reach back out. I told you I found the crypto guy. Right. Well, who the, understands this and can explain. It's being reported that Bitcoin is on track to have its biggest monthly gain in more than three years. Here's the point of all of this, though, and we got to get the crypto guy in here because he he was able to reasonably kind of walk me through a little bit of this. And he went on vacation and said, I'll get back to you when I get back. I met this. For those of you who aren't familiar, I'm talking about I met a, I was bartending and met a guy at a golf course mm-hmm. who lives in this world. And he wasn't trying to like he wasn't like being crypto guy. Like, I had to pry it out of him about what he did. Because, you know, crypto guys like, if you're not in Bitcoin, you're super missing out. We're up 9 million percent in seven <laughs> hours. He was not Bitcoin guy. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who was very quiet about what he did. And then I, you know, I'm pretty good at talking to people at the bar, Casey. I kind of made my social living doing mm-hmm. that for many, many years. Yeah. Um, and I pried it out of him and then started having a pretty in-depth conversation with him about it. And I think he can, he'd be able to kind of explain how this all works and why it works and why their people are in it and all these sort of things. But again, I come back to if you got to have somebody do that for you, <laughs> then what is it? Like, why are you doing I this? I know this dollar yeah. has, whether it's bull crap or not, this dollar has X amount of value. And when I go to Walmart, this dollar will get me mm-hmm. X amount of product for that. And so I still think it's just really hard without the backing of an actual, with actual governments being behind it, without the power that comes with that. I mean, you could say, well, Rob's, you know, coming out for the government. Mm -hmm. No, what I'm saying is the reality of how money works and how wealth works is having faith and credit of governments is a huge part of doing that. So you do what you want to do. I'm by no means an investment expert. I'm just saying it ain't my bag. I'm just excited that my $100 went down to 31. It's now up to 70. Seven, so I have it's, lost less. Here's here's the thing, Casey. For what you're doing, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. It's like me with sports betting. Right. It goes up. It goes down. You know, I I'm hit, not gambling away the mortgage. I hit big last night. I had lost several bets before that. It all ends up being about the same. I'm a couple bucks ahead mm-hmm. over the past several months, and it's a wild ride. I lose four or five bets in a row, but at a couple dollars a time. It's taken two years, though, to get $50 back. The only thing I'm pissed off about when I lose a sports bet is I'm just competitive and don't want to lose. It's not like I'm sitting around going, oh, damn, my mortgage isn't going to get paid this month. Right. Same thing with you, right? So it's that's fine. It's when you get people that have their whole right. life wrapped up in it. Or the entire city of Miami. All right, so big, yes, big uh, big segment coming up. Hammer, I think, is going to unveil the Meltdown Madness Ooh, that's bracket. exciting. Okay, we've got that coming up from 93 WIBC. You have a tournament coming up, which sounds like it could have been recorded in my shower every morning. Meltdown <laughs> madness. Hammer joins Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I am so excited for this. So as the calendar is about to roll over into March, mm-hmm. every year on the Hammer and Nigel show, we have a little tournament that the listeners can vote on. Yeah. They're a part of this. In the past, we've done Biden madness. We've had two rounds of that. We've had COVID hypocrisy madness. (laughs) This year, (laughs) very happy to announce Hammer and Nigel Show presents Meltdown Madness presented by Window Nation. I love it. So these are the greatest celebrity, political, athletic 
meltdowns of all time, yeah. mm-hmm. rants, and we've got 17 people in this field <laughs> because there's a play-in oh, game this yeah. year. Uh-huh. We're going to unveil the bracket right now. Yes, sir. Now, before we get to the field, I want to let everybody know what the number one overall seed in this tournament is. I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, <laughs> if you're just going to let him drive by it, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you f***ing guys will run till you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and f***ing tired of an 8-10 record. I'm f***ing tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to f*** around this week. Now, you may be, but I'm not. So, great choice. Mm-hmm. The year that we lose Bob Knight, we mm-hmm. thought it was only yep. appropriate. Yeah. He is the number one Love seed it. in this tournament. Let's do it. Yeah. Now, the very first game that will get us going on Monday at mm-hmm. 435, a game being played in Dayton, Ohio, because it's a play-in game. <laughs> the winner of this matchup will move on to face the number one okay. seed, yep. Bob Knight. You've got Mel Gibson's oh. racist rant against his ex-girlfriend mm. taking on Alec Baldwin yelling at her his daughter, calling her a snotty little pig, oh. among other things. Well, I think I'm, I, I'm inclined to go because Gibson is, man, it's the daughter. I don't know. So that's the play-in yeah. game. Okay, the winner takes on Bob Knight. That's mm-hmm. Monday. Other games that will be announced later, time and date to be announced. The number eight seed in this tournament, former Cubs manager Lee Elia, <laughs> ranting on the fans, taking on the number nine seed, Jim Morris playoffs rant. That's a great eight nine matchup. Uh, the number four seed in this tournament, Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC, <laughs> stop the hammering, <laughs> taking on the number 13 seed, Chris Berman oh, of ESPN. Yeah, that's a good one. The number five seed, Casey Kasem's famous meltdown <laughs> about coming out of an up-tempo record, uh, having to talk about a dead dog, yeah. taking on the 12 seed. Now, keep in mind, a 12 beats a 5 every year yeah, in the tournament. Right. Tom Cruise flipping out oh, on the movie yeah. set over COVID restrictions. Oh, boy. That's and those who are not following it. Yeah. The number two seed in this tournament, a guy that could win it all. Bill O'Reilly will do it live. Yeah, that's a strong one. Mm -hmm. Taking on the number 15 seed. This is a Nigel favorite. You want to see crazy? I'll show you crazy. (laughs) Johnny Depp Uh smashing the glasses Uh and yelling at Amber Heard. Uh The number seven seed. And this is a great first round matchup. Number seven seed Christian Bale's meltdown on the movie set. Oh, da 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 da. (laughs) Taking on. Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda yeah! talking about Kurt Bavakwa. That, that's a ten. That's a ten seed. Seven v ten. Uh, okay, so I, that's the one where that's, there's some obscure guy who gets thrown at, and they asked him about if he threw at him deliberately, and Lasorda goes on a rant about this guy being so inept and bad that he would never throw it. That's our valve. I think mm-hmm. that anybody who hears I that, so? I think we're going to get that ten seed of Lasorda, Kurt Bavakwa, mm-hmm. across the finish line. Now we had to really sit down and think about this. Do we want to have Lasorda talking about Dave King? Yeah. Yeah. Or Bavakwa. Bavakwa, I think, is stronger. Yeah, because doesn't he say, I used to pay for limos to go over to guys like Kirk Bavakwa? And there are certain <laughs> words that the movie Bull Durham taught us you can't say. So, yes. Uh, another interesting matchup here. The 6-11 matchup. Number six, Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy. Oh, yeah. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Taking on 
somebody that's got another appearance in this bracket, Jim Mora. Back when he was the Saints coach, we couldn't do diddly-poo. In my opinion, that sucked. (laughs) Yes. That's a good 6-11. That's a good one. Those are two of my favorites, and one of them is going to go down. Mm -hmm. The 14 seed, R. Kelly, flipping out (laughs) on his interview with uh, NBC. Y'all killing me! (laughs) Taking on the number three seed. This is somebody that could make a deep run. Howard Dean. Yeah! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that is the bracket. Uh It begins on Monday, March Meltdown Madness, presented by Window Nation. Those are so strong, Dennis Green didn't even make it into the tournament. Right. First four out, Dennis Green. Neither did Will Smith. He could have made it a a meltdown. That's a good point. The play-in game begins on Monday. Mel Gibson against Alec Baldwin. Uh And then Uh voters will vote on Twitter which one they want to advance. And we will have one winner. Cut down the nets when it's all said I'm all in. I think the Kendall and Casey show, I'm declaring it now. We're all in on Lasorda and Bavaka. That's our valve at this time. Let's let's pull off the, the March I thought you were a diddly-poo man. I was, but when you <laughs> played that for he me is again a diddly the other day, it's so good. We're talking about sending the limo over, and it's, it's, it's really good. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's not safe for work, but go to YouTube and look up Tommy Lasorda, Kurt Bavakwa. It's a guy that used to play for the Padres, and it's so good. Oh, uh, it's great. What is coming? Coming up this afternoon. You, you are off the rails. You will be the subject of a game we're going to have to give away Rob yes! Zombie tickets mm-hmm. and the biggest stories of the day. Thank you, Hammer. Man, I'm really kind of hoping Let's that it's... Let's go, Bavakwa! Casey Kasem and Bob Knight, voices of your youth. Oh, ah, this is... That could be... It's going to be exciting. All right, and we'll do it live. <laughs> oh, la-dee-da! <laughs> Thanks, Hammer. It's Kevin and Casey on 93 WIBC.